what's going on, everybody? How's it hanging? How's it happening? You guys know what it is. This is Kevin from the Cohort Progression Podcast. What's happening? Zuddy rocks or rock and thrive. It's a beautiful Tuesday out, isn't it? It is May 11th. And well, 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 folks, let me tell you about this next interview because if you're the band Lotus Crush, maybe you should have. Um, they got some pretty dang good music. We talk all about their brand new songs. Moment won't last or moments won't last. I got to make sure I get that right. Let me take a quick peek. It is moment won't last. It's a song all about the fact that, yes, we are going through these horrible times, these rough times in the coronavirus pandemic, but we're starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, those, ba- those bad moments, they won't last. But the big meat and potatoes of this conversation comes at the beginning. And I think you guys will absolutely really want to listen to it because... With us seeing a lot of things with concerts and festivals starting to come back, what can we expect? And are there potential pitfalls that might be in place that we aren't necessarily talking about? Well, Pete, Terry, and I really dive deep into it to give you a full-on perspective of what bands are going through right now and what venues, management, and insurance companies are going through. Yes, we go through all that, and it is something that is not necessarily talked about that much, and you guys are going to want to take a listen to this. Trust me on this. So are you ready for Lotus Crush to crush your expectations and give you an incredible podcast? Because I am. Enough with me. Let's go. Yeah. Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, listeners of the Core Progression Podcast, thanks to our good friend Brian over at MDK Music and Maverick Apparel. He sent us some incredible bands to check out, and he recently messaged me and said, hey, Kevin, check out this one that I got. And I just like, okay, let's see what you got. Sent to me, I just thought, yeah, yeah, we need to get these guys in the podcast. So the band is Lotus Crush. The guys here, we have Peter and Terry from the band on the podcast safe. So Peter, Terry, welcome to the Core Progression Podcast. Thanks very much, man. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being on, guys. How's everything going in your neck of the woods uh, this time of life? It's good. It's- yeah, chaos, but it's all good. Yeah, it's, you know, craziness. But that, it's been that whole way for like pretty much a year at this point. So I'm pretty sure the craziness has kind of become a little bit of a norm right now. Yeah, I suppose it has. Yeah, I've actually got my second vaccine shot tomorrow. So maybe uh, maybe we're all starting to get a little less crazy. Or maybe yeah. I'm going to get more crazy. I don't know. I haven't had it yet. So we'll see. <laughs> Maybe maybe a little bit. We'll see what the second one does. I'm still on my first. I don't get my second one for about uh, about another week and a half, maybe. So we'll see how that goes. But I remember when I got the first one after about a week, all of a sudden there was like my skin got real dry right where they uh, stick the shot, and I'm like, yeah, oh, that's not good. And all of a sudden, like the next day, I put some lotion on. The next day, gone. Yeah, I've got a Did funny feel sick or anything. Won't be quite the same, but we'll see. I didn't really feel all that sick. I think it, I felt I had like a little bit of like a headache the day like right after. But then again, I'd only slept like three hours that night. So that could have also been yeah. a part of it. It probably wasn't the vaccine. <laughs> yeah, probably yeah, I'm, not. Uh, I'm, I'm just I'm expecting to be knocked out for a couple of days because uh, fr- a couple of friends of mine got it. And they had very similar experiences. They, uh, you know, they, they did the first one. and There was no problem. The second one, they've just been hit by a train. So, <clears throat> yeah, take some take some leave and go to bed, I think. It's not a bad idea. Just make because I'm thinking about the same thing when I get mine. I'm like, okay, that that like that day and the day after. Make sure I've got like no podcast schedule, no videos. I have to shoot a real like if I'm gonna work on something and I'm not gonna feel good. I want to make sure that it's something that I can just do by myself and not have to be like, okay, let's sit down and do this because I've done podcasts where I've had food poisoning and I've just Ooh. got my appendix taken out. So <laughs> I don't want to go through that again. No, that's no fun. That's no fun. I know Pete's had to play sick on tour, and when we were touring in Poland, I think I. I blew out my eardrum while we were on tour. That was fun, being deaf for, for half a tour or a whole tour. So, 
yeah, no fun having to work when you're not feeling up to it. Oh, not at all. But before we get started really on this podcast, I always ask you guys, I always ask like the guests three separate questions to each of you. The first two, very easy. The last one, always the more interesting and fun one that I like to go with to see what happens. And I'm pretty sure thus uh, what Terry just alluded to is going to be the answer to the third question. I want to know more about that. So the question is, A, what is your name? Second, what is the thing that you do with Lotus Crush? And C, I want to know like a fun crazy wacky story or wacky fact about yourselves that you know we'll just get people to know you more a little bit more free i've heard some incredibly crazy things some potentially not safe for work things that have made me fall out of my chair laughing before those are always my favorites so i'll let you guys take it away i'm peter i play guitar um and i am not crazy <laughs> I don't have any crazy stories oh come on there's got to be one in there at least um uh, maybe if one comes to me i'll blurt it out <laughs> That that has happened before. So, and honestly, we'll probably get to a point this, like during the podcast where a story will just pop in your head that will perfectly flow with the conversation. We'll just roll with it. Uh, my name's Terry. I'm uh, the singer in Lotus Crush, and uh, I suppose I should finish that story. Then um, we were on tour. We just started a European tour, Lotus Crush, in in Poland, or we we'd done some gigs in in Scotland, I think, and we we crossed over the continent, just landed in Poland, and I got an earache when we were in. Uh, Bielsko-Biala and uh, when you're in Poland and you don't have the ability to get antibiotics <clears throat> on a Sunday uh, having an earache becomes a really 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 big problem uh, so our translator got us a, a, a slot at a, a hospital the next day and I'm really not joking when I say this you know you know if you imagine in your head what it would look like uh, you don't have to have been to Poland to understand what I mean but if, if you could imagine what the inside of a Polish hospital looks like you're there. Just whatever you're thinking right now, you're you're actually there. <laughs> is it? It really is just the way you would think it is. In fact, when the doctor came out, she was like this easily a ninety-year-old woman, and you know those metal discs that you see in the old movies for the, when they're looking at you. She actually was wearing one, uh, and I was I was like, well, I'm not getting any better. So yeah, and then we crossed it. <laughs> we crossed the board. We crossed the border in the Czech Republic, and my eardrum burst, and I went to sleep. So. No, yeah, yikes. I, yeah, I was deaf in one ear for, for the rest of the tour, which was crazy. Have you ever tried have you ever tried looking at a crowd and turning your head so that you can hear everything coming out of the speakers? It's that's not easy. That does not sound like fun at all. However, I'm pretty yeah. sure I'm pretty sure there's gonna be at some point just being in the crowd myself. I'm gonna end up blowing out an eardrum just because hey, I'm gonna be right next to the speakers, all of a sudden pff, there it goes and be like yeah. okay, now if I want to even hear the band, I'm gonna have to like always make sure if I'm at like especially with the shows I go to. Make sure I'm in the mosh pit, but make sure my head is turned to the side where this ear is facing the band. Yeah, you got to choose which ear you're going to lose. At that point, honestly, if I'm going to lose one, probably, probably, I don't know which one is better. So <laughs> I'll take the hit on that one. But still, that is that is still kind of one of the crazier stories. Just the fact that, especially as a singer as well, with the fact that you know if you end up you know blowing out an eardrum in one ear, and you're going to do the rest of the tour with one ear. It kind of depends upon when you're if you got like that little like earpiece in there to kind of keep track of what the rest of the band is doing. Really, just make sure you hear the music properly to kind of just time along with everything in the song. But then also try and hear the crowd as well. I mean, you're kind of at a disadvantage there. However, it's at a disadvantage where you kind of have to just press on due to the fact that you're playing music, you're at a tour, and you just, <clears> if it's a European tour as well, you got to yeah. do what you got to do. No, you got to do what you got to do. But it's just it's it's just weird doing a whole gig in mono. You know, doing a whole doing a whole tour in mono, it's like everything is just one big giant mush of sound. And granted, you know, I've played in bands where it's just been one giant big mush of sound. 
but that wasn't really what we were going for that time. So, oh, oh, no, no, but still, the fact that I because what I even thought when you said when with a Polish hospital, I was thinking like 1950s old town where they literally had the yep. metal plates on there just to reflect yep. the lights. It's like, okay, you got it in one, you absolutely got it in one. That's exactly what it was like paint peeling off the walls. I wasn't sure if it was a baby crying or maybe they were frying the baby. It sounded like <laughs> it was, it was most unpleasant, I have to say. Uh, great country. I don't want to. I don't want to cast aspersions on Poland. That place was just fantastic. The people were kind and wonderful to us. But yeah, uh, I'll maybe just skip the hotel. I'll skip the uh, skip the hospitals. So. Skip the hospitals, but still go to the country and see what it's all about. I mean, I was I was hoping on doing that like in 2020 in September with a huge like me going over to Europe, just seeing a bunch of people that I met through here, just hanging out, seeing a bunch of music. Yeah, that didn't happen. It's not happening nope. again this year, so I'm just nope. like, Ugh. it ain't, it ain't happening. That's 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 generally the, that was the the the, uh, the tourist slogan for 2020. 2020, it ain't happening. No, it isn't. And I mean, it didn't happen. <laughs> no, it so. isn't. And I mean, no one was no one was uh, spared from from it. And I'm pretty sure from you you guys, especially over the past year, not really not being able to tour, play live music, it's probably been rather difficult on you guys as well. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. Um, it's not easy. Uh, but Pete, Pete's a, you're Pete's a producer as well, so he's you know he gets he gets du- he gets double kicked in the balls. He gets he doesn't have to play, and then he also gets you know bands not coming in the studio. So surprisingly, um, it kept pretty busy, um, except for maybe the first month and a half. Or you're just showing off now. And then once people got used to what was going on, they're like, okay, well, um, and it was. It, maybe one person so it's one-on-one kind of stuff but a lot of the work is mix work people just send files and then i can work by myself at the studio so that worked yeah. out well actually the um uh, another producer friend of mine has started using i wish i could remember the name of this but it's it's pretty awesome it's and i've heard a lot of big bands have done this over the last year but you now do real-time production real-time moment-to-moment production in the studio connected with the band in the live room halfway oh, yeah. Up. yeah and it's it's pretty seamless, you know, provided your internet's been paid for. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's a thing. So you don't even you don't even have to be a, you, like a producer doesn't have to put up with that shitty band that they don't want to be in the room with because the bass player smells like potatoes or something. <laughs> you don't have to put up with that anymore, Pete. So this must be must be nice, Pete, where you can just work, you know, as a producer, kind of on your own. And again, you don't have to smell a guy that smells like, you know, the fact that he hasn't showered for a week and also smells like rotten potatoes the whole entire way through. That just doesn't sound pleasant. Yeah, and he and he and he just he smokes awful tobacco, and 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 all he wants to talk about is girls he banged in Spokane or something. Yeah. <laughs> This is like the funniest part about that is honestly just the fact that it, it is probably true, but out of all places, Spokane. <laughs> yeah. We've had some fun nights there. Spokane's great. It's, it's, I still have never been. The only I've only been to two places in the United States that have been in the Pacific time zone, which have been Vegas and Los Angeles. That's been it. Otherwise, I've spent most of my time good old here in U.S. Central time zone, mostly because, well, mm-hmm. I live here. So. Well, you're right. in Milwaukee, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Milwaukee. I'll actually be playing Milwaukee in November. Um, <laughs> if, if COVID gets fixed, I'll be in Milwaukee in November. So, well, looking at here in Milwaukee as well, especially like when it comes to concerts, I'm starting to see some shows pop up as terms of like set up, like set shows here for November and a little bit beforehand as well. But like some of the bigger ones that are happening that have been planned, I think the biggest one right now is uh, Ginger. 
they're set to play here middle of November, I think. So if you guys are set to play here in November, I mean, it seems like that's a pretty good estimate. Plus, right now here with Wisconsin, with the vaccine rollout, things are going rather well. I mean, they opened up vaccines to everybody starting, I think it was back in April 5th, so the day after Easter. And it was 8 a.m. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting in the hospital. I'm like, yep, hit me. Oh, yeah. I couldn't believe how fast it was either. You know, they said, be here at noon. I think I walked in at like 11.59. I think I was vaccinated by 30 seconds past midday. I think if, if they could have thrown the syringe as a dart and got me as I walked in the door, they would have. But I think that's probably, <laughs> there's probably some ethical questions involved there. So there, there probably is. But it is something where we're especially looking at different other other tours right now and other festivals. We're seeing announcements for the second half of 2021 especially with uh, some hard rockers like incarceration just recently came out their whole lineup. Blue Ridge is slowly announcing theirs minute by minute here in Wisconsin with rock fest. They've had that one announced for a while and that's yep. in July. And that's still right now is a full go. So again, when it comes to tours coming back and live music coming back, especially more for later in 2021, it seems like every day that goes by, it seems more and more of a set possibility and more actually more of a set reality at this point. But then again, anything can change at any given moment. I think it feels a little bit like the boy that cried wolf at the moment, though. You know, we see stuff go up and then you're just not sure if it's going to suddenly go down next week again. You know, <laughs> you want to you want to see it to believe it. So I hope I hope it is the case, you know, but I know there's a lot of tours this week just got canceled and moved back to October, November. So, Yuck. You know, yeah, maybe the summer's out. I don't know. <clears throat> it is what it is. Come, you know, we, we, we've, we've put up with it this long. It'll eventually be over. I guess we just got to stay the course, you know. I mean, it seems like right now for like, honestly, it feels like we're first saying the course with terms of with the amount of people that have been are being vaccinated at some point, you know, it's going to have to be happen, even if yeah. if we're, we're going to achieve herd immunity or not up to the point where all of a sudden it's like going to be like the flu every single year where people are going to get it. People aren't yeah. going to get it. But the likelihood that you're and it's going to be as uh, detrimental to, uh, to society as it was in 2020 is a lot less to the point where it's just kind of like. We're going to have to live with it and life life is just going to have to go on. I think people are there now. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right, Pete. I think, you know, I certainly look around this city. I look around New Orleans and, and uh, it just seems to me people are like, yeah, OK, we're done with this crap. You know, this it's I think it is there. And what is it? What is it? Fourth of July was the kind of the suggested timeline so we're really not that far away i hope i hope there isn't another spike but even if there is i really don't think people are going to change anything at the moment i think people no. are just going to pile on through so got a vaccine everybody's going to get vaccinated yep. people want their lives back you know yeah the science i mean it's it's just one, one day to the next i just find it to be a bunch of crap half the time Oh, I don't know if I can agree with all that, but I certainly do know that it's uh, it's frustrating to watch the the narrative change moment to moment. It's an evolving situation, and it gets frustrating when you think you're doing the right thing, only to be told that maybe you're not. <laughs> no, hopefully, yeah, that, it's all, hopefully it's all over soon, you know? That's I'm hoping, because it has been frustrating with all of a sudden. It's like in the beginning of this, okay, we've got this amount of time to... It's like the 15th days to stop the spread. It's like, okay, you know, everyone pretty much locked down and did that. All of a sudden, now it just keeps going and going and going. And it did seem like, especially in 2020, like every single week, all of a sudden it was everything got pushed back further, got pushed back further. The full-time job I'm wor- I was working at, it was like, okay, it's March 17th. All right, everyone out of the office. We'll get you all back uh, beginning of April. And all of a sudden it was, okay, now we're going to push that. Oh, so next week, okay, we're pushing that back two weeks. And it was like every single week that would happen. It was like one step forward, two steps back on in terms of when I feel like we go back to normal. And the, the job that I'm working right now just to help support this stuff, 
I'm still working from home and it's been over a year at this point. Yep. And you know, for all my friends and family back in Scotland and, and Ireland and the UK, um, you know, they really, really had a lockdown. You know, they weren't just, uh, you know, being asked to, to do the right thing. It was, you could get fined for, you know, for being out in the street after a certain time. You could, uh, if you're in a group of people, you can get fined. If you had, a, you know, too many people in your house, you get fined. So, I mean, they, they've had it up to the absolute here. They're just like, we're done with this. So they're slowly moving back um, out of it. And, and it seems like they may have done it right. But to be honest, whether we're doing it right or whether we're doing it wrong, I think what Pete said is correct, which is people are done. You know, it's like we just got to get everyone vaccinated and move on. So, yeah, and then get to the point where all of a sudden, you know, people are able to go out and do it, do whatever the hell they were doing beforehand or what they want to do. Live music is able to come back. You guys are able to get back out on stage and travel the United States, travel the world, even. Of course, of course. And then people like me are able to go to these live shows and just feel happy again because honestly, live sh- live music is like a it's a family vibe. It's a ha- it's a happy place, especially in more in the rock and metal community because that's well where I pretty much reside with that, but it's just, there, there's a family vibe to it that everyone misses. Yeah. It's yeah. that connection. You know. <laughs> family, friends, music, uh, you know, seeing the band you love, meeting up beforehand, you know, got my tickets, let's meet here. Yeah, you know, the, it's just the anticipation of it as well. Yeah, because yeah. even if you're having like a People real shit, I'll say, if even you're having like a real shitty week or something and just things aren't going well, all of a sudden you got this ticket for Friday night or Saturday night to go to see a band that you really want to see or go to a show maybe with a friend that you're like, okay, you know, I'm not necessarily a big into this music, but my friend <laughs> is, and I'm looking forward to hanging out with my friends. So you just go and do something like that. Those times people look for that because hope is a very powerful thing. It's <coughs> a very powerful emotion to hang on to in order to get you through some of those rougher times to get to the better times as well. And having live music to look forward to because, I mean, for me personally, Every time I go to a show, I think there was like maybe once or twice when I left a show and I was like, eh, you know, it didn't really just like hit, like make me feel like a lot better when I left. But I mean, almost it's like 99, 99.5% of the time when I leave live show, I'm just like, this was yeah. worth it. Woo! Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, <clears throat> I, it, it's, it's really, it's really a, a meaningless experience. You usually take something from it, you know. I, I, I can think of lots of bands where I, I bumped into them accidentally and, and ended up falling in love with their music, you know. So uh, I do miss that. I do miss experiencing, uh, you know, taking a chance on going to see a live act and, and then coming away as a huge fan. So <clears throat> hopefully not too long. Yeah, that's something that I miss too because that's pretty much what happened with me when I went to go see uh... – I went to go see Ice Nine Kills play live, but the reason I went was because uh, Light the Torch was open. I want to see Howard Jones perform. And I'm like, right. okay, I'll, like, I want to see him. I really didn't want to go to the show. That takes I was super tired, worked a bunch of overtime. I'm like, you know what? I'll go because I bought the ticket. I left that show and I'm just like, this was the best decision I could have possibly made. Like, this was this was the greatest thing ever. Right. So we did do that, miss. Did that with an Italian band um, called New Candies, which I absolutely love. And, um, I hadn't done, I hadn't done this in years, but I liked him I liked him so much that a, a buddy of mine out in LA, um, I mean I got I got him into them and I, and I saw they were going to do their first ever US tour, and so I totally fanboyed. I was like I, I got on a plane and went and met my mate and we uh, we went to three other shows and, and spent some time with them. Really nice lads, but great band. But you know that was just done a whim. I just caught I just caught something and uh, and uh, decided to, to follow up on it and ended up falling in love with music. So. <clears throat> And, and again, that's paramount in terms of not only that, but for people to experience the same exact thing with your music as well, because 
you could be going around on tour and people might not necessarily know who you are. You might be with a different band they want to go see. They see you guys live and all of a sudden they just feel this different connection to your music and to you guys as a band to the point where now all of a sudden you went from having someone go to a show without knowing anything about you guys to them leaving, becoming this huge fan of the band and just feeling this intense connection to your music and maybe in their personal life, maybe it affects them emotionally to make them a happier, better person. And then they kind of take that with them after the show and just kind of integrate your music into their lives to the point where they're feeling down. They listen to a song by you guys and just feel better. They feel happy. They listen to a song by you guys and just amps up that happiness to another level. It's just a positive connection is something that has been sorely missed over the past year and a little over a year at this point. You know, and from from the band's point of view, I'm a I'm a I'm a big believer in uh, in reaching an audience by by riding the headliners' coattails, as Pete well knows, because that's how I met Pete. He was in Candlebox, and yeah, and my band Drive Blind from Scotland, we we toured with Candlebox for for a long time. That's how we met. So uh, <clears throat> yeah, we reached a whole new audience by by playing with those guys. You know, we we didn't even know what a an America was really. <laughs> we, we didn't really we didn't really understand, but touring with those guys um you know we we got to reach an audience that otherwise we would just never have seen in places we'd never been so that was you know i agree that's 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 part of it it's, and for for those audiences as well you know like if you're in midland or odessa texas or, or somewhere like that and then this bunch of weird looking scottish guys land and play a set of rock mm-hmm. and roll you know that's that's unique as well so you know that's what it's all about and that can only happen when we get back to you know get back to life so <clears throat> oh exactly and again that's something that we're all anticipating the return of and again like i said the way it looks it's that especially like late summer early fall 2021 is it looks like it's going to be the time when everything kind of comes back into fruition with live music you guys being out on the road touring once again and being and people just being able to go out to those live shows and have that intense positive connection to your music along with every other band that's gonna be touring as well it's just the the music world is gonna be is gonna start to really fully heal once again in terms of a mental state in a way just because of all the stuff we went through in 2020, 2021 and everyone's back together again. It's going to be a real kind of religious experience in a way. Yeah. I'm, I would say actually not, not to, not to, to, to piss on the cupcakes, but one of the, the things that's <laughs> kind of, I guess a little depressing is that, and we're seeing it here in new Orleans is that venues that obviously were, were hurt <clears throat> pretty badly by, by COVID. Not all of them are going to come back, you know, and I know people say the same thing, but you know, there's a generation of venues that, that I know I played and, and Pete obviously played more of as well. And a lot of those are just blinking out of existence. They're just, they won't be, they won't be coming back. It's going to be a whole new landscape with uh, venues changing hands. Hopefully they still stay venues, but a lot of them won't. So I don't think we'll really know what we're dealing with in terms of the clubs out there until this is all over and we get to take stock. But it, it's, it's pretty scary. Some of the big names that have, uh, have just blinked, you know, they're just gone. Yeah, it has been a really sad thing to see as well because it seems it's it felt like ever at least once a week, especially from I want to say August through I mean even like February of 2021, it seemed like every week I was seeing a different post about a different venue across the country going down, and it didn't and it was nothing that was really rel- like close ish to me within like maybe a hundred miles. It was all of a sudden it's like okay, this place in Iowa is closing, this place in Ohio, so this place in St. Louis is closing, and it's these places yeah. that have been around been around for quite some time. And that's yeah. one thing that I've been concerned about too. And I want to ask you guys this question is because of the fact that COVID has taken a lot of these venues and hurt them financially to the point where these, some of these venues won't return again. When live music comes back, of course, every single band that has been on the shelf for over a year at this point due to the pandemic is going to want to get out and play live and play on these stages. 
Now with certain venues, certain stages, the supply is more limited, so it's less, but the demand to get on those stages is going to be rather high. So when it comes to making sure that you guys get on stage and be able to get on tour, what are you guys doing to make sure that you are able to make that happen? To be honest, right now, nothing apart from, you know, try to release music. Um, if, if you really, I mean, unless, unless Pete's got some master plan, I don't know about it. So. <laughs> but I, I think there's, I, I don't know what we can do at the moment until we really understand what we're dealing with. I mean, I know people that were, were, were booking big tours, you know, these were guys that were going out on, on big tours and with, with them being pushed back, uh, you know, with the likes of Live Nation as well. I mean, everybody's terrified now to, to, to lay down the money. Everyone's terrified to, to promote a show and then lose money on it. Because then you're just insurance. In a, People can't get even, insurance. Yeah, in, in a deeper hole. So I, I think there's a, a lack of trust at the moment. So I think until <clears throat> some of the big bands are out there really, really established out there doing it, I think it's going to be hard for, for smaller tours, tours to, to get out there without feeling like you're taking a massive gamble. I'll say, do you guys have, I mean, Pete, do you have any kind of like, it's because it seems like with Terry, it seems like if you got a master plan behind this, is there some sort of idea that you have in order to make sure that if you guys are going to potentially take a gamble like this, that it's not going to be something where it's uh, all kind of like that uh, Texas Hold'em all-in situation? I mean, there is no all-in because there's no, there's nothing to put in at this point because nobody knows how much they're allowed to pursue. I think, you know, there's nothing on my world until um, Candlebox does the reunion shows for the Lucy record. And then after that, who knows, but it's, I, you know, it's just dig into the studio because it's insurance, I guess people, they can't tour because they can't get insured. Insurance mm -hmm. companies aren't going to take that risk. So, you know, there really isn't a master plan. Like Terry said, it's just put music out, try to survive and get to the fall or whenever they're going to let us go back, you know? Yeah. 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 And that, I'll say this, that question wasn't to try and like <clears throat> poke and prod and see. I always am curious to see in terms of the music industry, see where everyone's head's at and see kind of more the reality of the situation in terms of me just kind of sitting the sidelines, seeing all these things pop up on social media with potential tours, Pete Bands wanting to get back out on stage. And some smaller bands, like I'm talking about really small bands, like more local, maybe some regional ones, playing some shows at smaller <clears throat> venues right now. Because, again, I'm I'm not in it. I'm not into that, like, tour level as much as you guys are. So I don't necessarily see it. But it's giving more context. And that was one thing I was afraid of, especially with over with um, tours coming back is just what is insurance going to allow? Because, of course, the bands and the venues are going to want the insurance to be covered in a certain situation. But then when it comes to pricing overall as well, after that gets settled, what's that going to look like for us, the fans, to make sure that those venues are able to start getting money, you guys are able to make money, but then also how much is insurance going to cost and how much of that is going to inflate ticket prices for the well, fan? It's going to be know, a real interesting situation. Beyond insurance as well at the moment, there's there's just not the ability to pay bands the going rate, especially you know larger bands, because a lot of the venues are, are, are limited to quarter capacity. Um. You, can, you just can't do that. You can't, you know, you can't pay a band the, the going rate to get from A to B. If A to B is halfway across the country, I mean, who's paying for that if, if you can't make it off tickets? You know, if you can't make it off ticket price. I mean, it's hard enough to, to balance the numbers in the American marketplace for musicians as, as it is without there only being, you know, one quarter of a venue's capacity. It means that even the biggest venues are small venues. 
you know, and the small venues are freaking tiny. So, you know, until until we can fill them up, it's going to be hard to sell enough tickets where you can, uh, you know, pay for gas, you can pay for your driver, you can pay for us and you can and you can do the numbers on a tour and make them work. So, I mean, personally, I've been playing a lot of gigs in New Orleans recently because, um, well, because you can't go anywhere. You know, and normally where I'd be out touring or trying to play elsewhere, I'd be enjoying just playing shows here. And it's it's been kind of fun, but, you know, it's getting to that point where I'm itching to get out and go see the world again. So, yeah, but it's got to get better because this ain't working. Yeah, this ain't working. I'm, I'm glad you guys said that, too, because, again, one of the biggest things, it shows the gravity and the reality of the situation behind it that... I know for a lot of people that are looking at live music coming back and are getting excited for it, there are certain instances and certain uh, pitfalls that are still in front of us that they're not necessarily seeing. And this is one of them, especially that people aren't seeing is the insurance and the profitability and the basically the way that is a band able to make enough money to not only be able to just <clears throat> go on these tours and perform, but also to start uh, making some of the money that they had been making back, you know, before the pandemic hit to really make sure that these are viable ventures in the end. Yeah, we're probably a long way from there. We're probably a long, long way from there. Um, I mean, Pete just said it. You know, he's got he's got Candlebox reunion shows to think about, and and you know they they have to be very careful as an organisation to get the timing of that right. I mean, and you don't want to take what will be a very well attended show and put it on the road at the time when you can only put a quarter of the people in there. I mean, that's you know you, you've shot yourself in the foot before you even start rolling. So. Again, until until there's more of a level playing field, I just don't see how this I don't see how this can work. Even if tomorrow they said, right, we can make venues capacity, there's still going to be nervousness in the marketplace with bands and management and labels. There's still a nervousness where I don't I just don't think we're there yet. Well, not only between bands and uh, venues and labels and management all over the place, there's also going to be a hesitancy from a good amount of the fans as well because I think it was. Uh... John Taff of the Bar Rescue Guy had this thing when it came to bars starting to reopen, where it was there's like a three-tiered level where you're going to get the first tier, which are the people that really heavily associate with it, that really enjoy it, and this can work for live music as well, that are once it returns, no matter what, they're going to show up, but that is only a certain percentage of the overall like concert-going population. I'm definitely in that tier one, because once I see something come back, I'm like, I, I miss it, I want to be there, I'm there. Then after a while, once they start seeing, uh, like people start seeing that this is okay and people are not getting sick at these shows and these tours are becoming more and more of a, you know, and live music becoming more and more of a prevalent thing, then you're going to get that tier two to show up, which is they're going to hold off at first and wait and see what happens after the first like two or three months and then they're going to show up. But then you're going to get tier three on the other hand, which is going to wait until they feel the utmost safety before they start going back to live shows again. So it will be a process and it's something that, I love to talk about too, just because it's everyone thinks like once live music is going to come back, it's like, boom, here it is. Everything's back to normal again. It's going to be a process. And especially from like a band side and a venue side and an management and insurance side, that's not something that we're necessarily really thinking about, especially as fans. We're thinking about just once this is back, we're going back to normal. Woo. But that's not the case. No, no, I don't believe it is. I think, um, I know, I don't know what, Pete thinks about it, but certainly from my point of view, so I thought somebody said something the other day which really hit the nail on the head. They said, uh, you know, if you're watching a movie and uh, it shows a crowd scene with a band and there's like you know a thousand people on the front row, and you can just feel it, you're, you're in your head, you're like, ooh, ooh, I don't know about that. <laughs> it's, it's that kind of feeling where even if they opened all the gigs tomorrow, it's like there's not the consumer confidence, I think, for people to just run into venues and feel comfortable. 
being packed in like sardines close to people when this, you know, when this is, it's going to take, it's going to take a little while for people's heads to get around that again. I think. I think anybody that's dying for a concert won't care. And if there's a concert happening, it's because everybody's been vaccinated and they're going to bum rush that stage no matter how many people are there. Look at the voice of rock and roll, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Pete, the voice of rock and roll. Plus, trust me, I'll definitely be one of those guys that either bum rushes the stage or all of a sudden it's like, okay, open up this pit. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm backing off of the stage. There's a pit right there. I'm going. And then I'll probably end up getting hit like in the first five minutes. And if my head starts to bleed, eh, then then it feels normal again and I'll be happy, which is kind of odd. But as long as I get uh, a balcony with nobody around me, uh, you know, some some caviar, (laughs) maybe a couple of models, (laughs) then I have no problem with with, with going forward. There's no problem at all. (laughs) That's my caveat. We're we're gonna give Terry the preferential treatment while I just get back to just going and just bouncing off a, a bunch of sweaty people and it, well again it's again like what uh, like we said Terry it's like when people are watching TV when you watch movie or not and like you see a scene all of a sudden it's like there's a huge crowd there especially for the last year and with how much has been pumped into uh, pumped into our eyes and ears and minds with what the media is talking about with different things with COVID and all these different statistics and with what the governments have said. It kind of just starts to get you a little bit freaked out by seeing yeah. that, and it's a it's yeah. it's not a good thing because it will provide a lot of hesitancy when things open back up. Because I mean, even like for someone like myself, when it comes to concerts, I am more than happy to all of a sudden once that first show comes back, go back. But when I mentioned like going out to the bars earlier, once they open bars back up here in Milwaukee, like and it was the first thing to open it back up was like May of like middle of May 2020 when they said, okay, we can't have this shutdown anymore. It was there. People, there's some people that bum rush there, and I just looked and I said, I wonder when the next time I go to a bar is because I just really kind of want to stay away from. It. I think the first time I went back into one was maybe September, and then I've been like three or four since. Like I haven't really jumped to any bars. Like I'm not. I'm still kind of a little bit nervous to go to them. <clears> so, and this is almost a year at this point since they've been open back up again. Well, what is it to say that we're the front lines in war? You know, the first ones in and the first to die. So, <laughs> you know, maybe 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 hang at the back for five minutes and see what happens. It's like uh, we don't all we don't all have to just because they open the bar doesn't mean that we all have to just you know put blinkers on and pretend that everything's fine. It's like you can chill for a minute and maybe not you know blow it and have us all back in lockdown. So. Yeah, I think that, I think that's probably one of the other big nerves too. Is if all of a sudden the stuff opens back up and then. Uh, numbers of confirmed coronavirus cases and coronavirus-related deaths and hospitalizations start to climb again to a certain part. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, we have to shut down again. And then we get back to where we had started. It kind of feels like a lot of the progress that we had been making just kind of gets removed. Yeah. And I think, I think Terry, you kind of speak to that as well, just because with different <clears throat> family and friends, especially being over in the UK with having to go through multiple different lockdowns, I got to ask, did they feel the same way in terms of just like, okay, we're getting this progress and now it's back to square one. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, it was, it, like clockwork. It was um, it was just as you'd expect. You know, things opened up a little bit, and people went absolutely fucking bananas. They were just they just went at it, you know, like a bull in a china shop. And then, like two point three minutes later, everyone was back in lockdown. And, you know, I I've got to say, you know, it's um, everyone you know knows someone that it's that it's killed. And, and in my case, it, it's um, it almost killed my dad as well. Actually, he he managed to survive him and his brother. Uh, so, I mean, I've seen the seriousness of it. So, I mean, I don't want to trivialize it uh, and suggest that, you know, it's 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 nothing to worry about because there's a lot of people up. And I say a lot of people. There is an awful lot of people out there that have lost somebody to this virus um, that I'm sure feel pretty damn serious about it. So when they do open things up, I hope people are smart enough not to just 
say fuck it and you know dive in head first but i suspect everybody will so we'll see again we'll see what happens it's 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 gonna be a timing thing we'll see how things play out especially in may and june of 2021 because especially in the u.s i think they kind of had that like fourth of july date as kind of like a benchmark date to see if all of a sudden that's when we can kind of really start to open things back up we'll see what happens over the next two months to really gauge the overall um viability of these certain things but i do think you're right on that terry where if thing once things are open back up it's going to be a bum rush to get back to normalcy because i'd like peter said we're just sick and tired of this shit and (laughs) of course you know i am too it's it's you know we all are um we all want to get back to to normal life as you know as or, or whatever we would deem as normal life as rapidly as possible but the frustration is that um you know you can't you can't tamper with the reality of how a virus, a virus travels it's if uh if, if you you say screw this fine enough and you just rush back to it well guess what you, you put contagious people next to people that aren't contagious and there's a very obvious consequence so i just would love to everybody to get vaccinated so that you know people can already go about their business and go back for their daily lives and not have to worry um and i think we're getting there you know i think the uk is now over half um and they're 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 doing it at a rapid very very quickly I got to say that it's going very quickly in this country now as well, it would appear. I know from, you know, anecdotally, I think about how many people I know that are either had it or are getting it. And it's it's pretty across the board now. Yeah, you know? even yeah, even here with, um like, with people I know in my family, it's pretty across the board. The only person in my family that isn't, like, that's like, I'm not getting this is my grandpa. The guy's 92 years old, and he's at the point where he even told me, he's like, this last year, he told me, he's like, and it's my time. It's my time, whatever. And because my, my grandma's been gone since 2013. He's kind of like everyone. He like the only people he ever talks to is, is, is the family. So he's like kind of like once I go, I go kind of thing. And yeah. you know what? More more power to him. I'm just going to I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. What are you going to do? Tell a 92 year old man how to live? I don't think so. No, that guy, is stu- that guy is the most stubborn guy, I man, I will ever meet in my entire life. One of the reasons why he said he was still going on and surviving is because he enjoys annoying the hell out of my mom and her sisters. I like him already. I like him already. <laughs> he's he's a very old Polish guy. I had to put that in there because of your story, Terry. Yeah. Well, I uh, I mean, Pete knows as well as I do. They're 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 crazy people. The Poles. We had we had. A- very kind hosts and it was a really fun awesome country but they're uh they're a breed apart awesome place man i gotta get over there at some point but then again one other thing too like you guys had said was one thing that i kept going you guys going especially as a band through this whole entire time period has been working on music writing music and really pulling putting this out and you guys have a brand new song coming out on april 30th as well if i'm correct on that right yes yeah okay okay I didn't want to mess it up because if I did and you guys would have said, nope, you got the wrong date, then I would have said, okay, you can roast me as much as you want because then I would have messed that up badly. No roasting required. Good. I'm not going to end up like a marshmallow today. <sighs> and the song is also called uh, Moment Won't Last, correct? That's right. Well, good things I got that right. Good thing I went deep dive into that song to make sure I knew what it was talking about because we could talk. You're on a roll. You're on a roll. Yes, we can talk all about. So first thing I would like to ask like with a song like this is especially – when I listened to your guys' music before listening to this, I definitely was not expecting what happened on Moment Won't Last. So what was the inspiration behind writing the song, especially having it more as like an acoustic version? Um, well, actually, I mean, you know, Pete, Pete's obviously, uh, Pete, Pete writes 
the music and I, I write the the melody and, and and lyrics but but we we do collaborate somewhere you know where required we'll jump in and point each other where we think we should go but when when Pete is is writing something that really connects with me we're usually we're usually pretty quick about you know moving things on and we actually wrote the guts of this song years ago it was actually about four or five years ago when we started work on our, our last album um but it was it was kind of a standalone piece it didn't it didn't quite fit in with what we were doing on the album, but we really, really believed in the song. Um, it just, I guess it kind of stuck out like a sore thumb, a sore thumb a little bit. Um, and from my point of view, you know, I feel like the time that we're going through right now, this, the content of the song is very well suited to it. So, um, so but you'd have to ask Pete, you know, what he was thinking when he wrote the music, because I, I always thought it was a lovely piece. Um, and it, it was definitely fun to, to put together. Then I will do just that. Pete, what was, the, what was the inspiration behind writing this music, especially with it having more of that acoustic quality and what Terry said, having more of that one-off feel on it? Because if he's like, if you guys wrote a couple years ago, kind of was meant, especially around the time of the uh, last album you guys came out with. Plus, especially with you saying that though, Terry, I what like when I heard this song, I kind of made a different parallel with it that really worked in well with that one-off thing. And it makes a lot more sense now. So I got to ask again, Pete, what was like the inspiration behind making this more of an acoustic track? Well, I think most of the music that I write um, these days is on an acoustic. You know, it's one of those things where you can just kind of pick it up and play. Um, I, you know, uh, before Terry and I got together, I did a band called Red Light Music, and I got bored of the regular standard tunings and things. So I started doing open E, open D, and then started capoing. So um, this song is actually capoed on the fifth fret uh, and it just had a good ring to it. So I don't even remember. I think you might have. I don't even know if you were there. Had you come up yet? But it's one of those things. You just started messing around with different positions of the capo and you can play the standard. I mean, it starts out on a minor, but it's capoed on the fifth. I think makes it a D minor. So there was nothing in particular. I wasn't trying to do it. It's just kind of sitting around playing and it came out. And then I think I sent the idea to Terry and Terry's pretty, pretty quick, pretty instant. And I'm usually head over heels with what he sends. It's just easy, you know? So it stayed acoustic because the vibe called for it. And then um, John Lutzi, who was hanging out with us at the time, had a friend, um, what's Jocelyn's name? Jocelyn. Andrew Jocelyn, which yeah. is, he became massively famous now. Yeah, very, very famous string arranger. Um, but at the time he was well-known locally, but, uh, so he laid down those, that string section for us. I think we recorded it at my house, if I remember correctly. Um, and it just never quite went electric at that point, you know? I've always thought there was something very unique about this track. Obviously, very recently had you know had to revisit it and really do some 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 diving into it because we knew we decided we were finally going to put it out as a single. It was the right song for the right time. Um, but we going back to it and listening to it, it, it does strike me that I don't think I've, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it's true. I don't think there's any other song at any point in my career that I can think of in any project I've done where it so naturally drops out for the chorus. 
You know what I mean? It's like yeah. the, chor- the chorus kind of sets, the, the setup for the chorus is that it completely drops out. So the first half is this kind of drop with the strings. So it's kind of, it, it flies in the face of convention in that regard. It's not, it comes into this big chorus, but it drops out to give it, give it the width. It's kind of cool. I, I always liked that. I always thought that was kind of weird. It, it is a little weird. It's kind of cool. Cause I remember like when I first jumped into this track, when I first got uh, listened to it, the first thing I thought was like with that solo acoustic guitar really starting out, I was like, oh, this is definitely not something that I was expecting. But then taking, of course, the first thing I always do is when I listen to a song is when I'm trying to like really figure out my feelings on it and do my own analyzation of it to really try and understand it. The first thing I was like to try and figure out is what is necessarily like the core meaning behind the song? Because then I can kind of figure out how the instrumentals and how the, how the instrumentals really bring forward the vibe, really bring forward the emotion behind what the meaning is and really drive that story. And then go to the vocals next to figure out how that's complemented as well and really just pulls it all together. And right mm-hmm. when I like was looking, I'm like, it's it's different than what I was expecting, but the style does fit the theme because that acoustic sound has more of that universal feel and more of that universal sound to it where it seems like anytime anyone hears that acoustic guitar, it's, people are going to connect with it because they have some sort of bass when it comes to listening to that kind of music. And especially with the meaning that I got behind the song where it's kind of has a double meaning, especially with the time we're going through now, it's the, like we, like for the past year, we've gone through these incredibly difficult, rough times where we don't know exactly what's going on. However, we have to remember that this is just a moment and moments do have an end point and those moments won't last. And then the, I'll say on the flip side as well, you can also look at it as in a different way where, you know, moments don't last. So those bad moments, you can, you know, that there's going to be an end point to it. But then there's also those good moments where you have to know there's going to be an end point to those good moments and enjoy them at the exact same time so that you don't miss out on them by consistently looking at the future. And it oh, kind of yeah. had more of this mentally positive vibe to it. So I'm like, oh, so now I'm starting to kind of pick up on it, especially after I listened through it once and understood the meaning. Now I'm like, okay, now I get where you guys are going with this. Now I get how that acoustic sound comes into play here. When, this, when the content of the song was written, it was written at a very difficult time when I had a, a family member that was expected to die from a, a very, very rare disease, very rare infection. And um, there really wasn't much hope. And I was not doing very well with it because I hadn't been home in years to Scotland because I was touring uh, and playing. And it just there just wasn't the ability to get back. And um, as a result, I was very depressed about it and, and very unhappy for a long period of time, not being able to do anything positive about it. So when we worked on this track, it felt like all that funneled into it. And so the irony is, despite the, the negative connotations, it was written as, it, as, as kind of a, as if you're telling yourself that things will get better and also telling my family member, you know, things will be all right one way or another. And, and honestly, it was written as a song with me fully believing that that family member was going to pass away, which in itself is, a, is, is sometimes a relief when somebody's no longer in pain. But I'm pleased to say that person actually lived uh, against all the odds and um, <laughs> in a weird way the song has just become this uh, like the chorus particularly for me has become a real moment of hope uh, and that's that's why I think particularly where we are right now as a world not as a country as a world um, I like that that uh, that message fits very well with with what people maybe need to hear right now oh absolutely we can go into the chorus as well because there was a piece in there that I really thought that really drove up that fact of hope that things either will get better and just constantly having a fact of the matter is like if things can be going so bad but it's always the use a good old quote like it's always darkest before the dawn you know you can always see yeah. light when it's dark out is there's going to be it's going to shine at some point and i feel like there was an inclusion of some sort of like violins especially in the chorus as well with this way that it was picking up my ear and 
I actually really liked that idea because it created more of this calm and relaxing kind of feel of the overall track where that hope comes in with the point where it's like, you know that this moment, that even though how bad it might be, even though you might not necessarily think that it's going to end, you know it's going to end at some point because all bad things must come to an end. All good things must come to an end. Everything's going to come to an end at some point. All these moments are going to end up having some sort of final moment and the hope, the fact that you will end up reaching it at some point. I think I thought like the violence kind of brought in this more like, or the strings, whatever, unveils, cellos, whatever you might have used, just kind of relax your headspace a bit to give you that kind of feeling of tranquility in a way that this will pass at some point. The strings really, really grabbed the emotion of the song and 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 binded to them. It, it amplified them hugely. You know, I love that. I love that there's it's unique in the in the chorus sense that it, it does drop out. But it doesn't drop out entirely. It it does it tunes you into a very specific feeling, which which is a, a you know a contrast to the verse. So yeah, it, it's it's a little strange. It's not normally what Pete and I would have, would do um, in terms of arrangements. But I like that. It was it was different. As Pete said, the the music itself had a slightly different voicing. So I think it probably opened us up to some some different choices. But I love the end result, and uh, and and Andrew Joslin did such a great job on the strings. I mean, I remember that. I remember distinctly the first time I heard those strings, and I was like, "Holy shit!" So yeah, yeah. Excellent. I was like, even I was sitting here thinking, I was like, "Oh wow, was that the perfect place to put those?" Because again, like it just brought out this feeling of like the you know, like, it brought out the hope in a way, especially yeah. in the chorus, which kind of just brought you a little bit more into the concentrated style of the message as well. And this, the way the song flowed, it reminded me very, it reminded me very similar of like, um, I'm trying to think who the artist was. I've had him on the podcast for a uh, Bill Champlin, former member of Chicago for about huh? 20 some years. Cause I, I talked to him about some of this stuff as well. And just kind of the flow of like how his overall arrangement does to really just kind of amplify on whatever the more positive message is of whatever song he's singing, kind of using certain strings, using more of a kind of more orchestral sound in a way to really bring that out. It, I saw parallels between what he had done and what you guys did on this track as well, just because it brought that emotion out perfectly through that use. Well, you know what? I'm a sucker for I'm a sucker for a good string section. I think Pete is too. Um, I mean, Pete, I know, I know that you and I, you know, when Pete and I started talking for the first time, not long after we met, when when Candlebox and Drive Blind were touring together, you know, we we talked about bands that we really liked and. Um, you know, one of the bands I know we, we both really like is, is The Verve, you know, British band. And, you know, they saturate a lot of their songs with the string sections, but but not to the point of them being hokey. You know, I always thought they were used tastefully. And I think that's the same thing here, that it's, it's, there's a, a, a very tasteful approach to it. It's not there to kind of to show off or, or shine for, for no reason. It's, it's very much, it very much amplifies that, that feeling of uh, being an oasis in the middle of a a desert or, or, you know, a moment of hope in an otherwise very sad moment. So I love that. I love that it does that. It lifts the, lifts the track somewhere else. Now I got to ask you because you're the one that put pretty much put this all together when it come to come to writing it. Uh, were the strings really a huge idea going into this or was it something that after you were writing it that you want to include? Because again, it brought out that emotion perfectly throughout the song, especially in the chorus. Was that something that was kind of a later addition or is that something that was more planned during the initial parts of the songwriting process? Came later. Um, I don't know who even know who suggested it. I think Terry might have. John Got knew. Me. John knew Andrew <clears throat> Jocelyn. He's oh, I know it. this guy's amazing. He'll come over and do it. And um, so that's where that came from. And then once he did, it was you know perfect. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. He just elevated the song to a new level. Yeah, hugely. 
just just one of those serendipitous moments where exactly what the song needed just appeared in front of us, you know. Um, and as soon as we as soon as we heard it, we're like, "That's it, that's that's perfect. That is that is exactly what it needed." I mean, how how else could you make sense of a song that builds up to a chorus that drops out? It's like, well, there's something goes there, and it's 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 a total change. It's a total change of atmosphere. I love that. So yeah, very cool. Yeah, it did work out incredibly well. And the parallel that I was making was on a more recent album that just came out. More in the metalcore scene was uh, "Sleep Society" by While She Sleeps because that like that album again heavier, more metalcore, had a lot more of like this electronic kind of infusion over it as well, which normally I don't like, but on that one I really did. But they had this other song on there called "Division Streets," and it really broke up the whole entire album with more of this acoustic vibe to it. And when I looked at the song, I was like, that song is really well done. It has this great overall feel to it. But I wasn't the biggest fan of it having it on the album because it just broke up the whole entire momentum of that album, especially at that point. And I thought to myself, had they released this as that one-off single, this would have been something that I thought would have been perfect. And then all of a sudden I heard this and you guys releasing this as a one-off single basically kind of confirms the fact that you know, I've saw those parallels. I'm like, this confirms it where if a band is going to take a little bit more of a different approach and release something that has a little bit more of that, you know, acoustic vibe, orchestral vibe, just really kind of just put it out there with a more of a forceful impact with that, but is not necessarily itself as a one-off single. It's going to, I thought it was going to do just even better just because people kind of be more open to the mindset of that. And something like this with Moments Won't Last, I thought that what I was thinking with what with While She Sleeps, this was just like the proof that it it would it would have worked out perfectly, and you guys just showed it with, excuse me, with a track like this. Thank you. Well, yeah, thank you. Um, I know that when when our last album Rabbit Hole, which we're really proud of, love that love that record, it was a tough record to make. Um, as as great as as this single is, and as much as I love it, it wouldn't it doesn't it's not it's not that album. You know, it's it doesn't sound like that album, and it's it's a different feel. It's it's a a, a different vibe. Um, so yeah, it deserves to stand alone. It deserves to just be this this moment of uh, of separation. So it, it doesn't. Again, the time it came out was is again it's it's perfect for the situation. Really, it's not necessarily. I wouldn't necessarily say like take advantage of the situation, but when it comes to music, when it comes to art, because I had recently talked about this with a metalcore band called Wrist Meat Razor, where. With everything that we had gone through in the past year, everyone's going to know what happened because everything's going to be documented in terms of the events, what had gone on. Just It's going to be written down. There's going to be videos of it. But when it comes to the emotions that we'd all had felt, that's something that can be easily lost because you can't necessarily really transcribe those in a, in a post or in a, in, a, in a book or anything like that. For people to really connect with it, it's that's where music comes in. And this is going to come in perfectly to kind of just encapsulate the time that we are in right now where yes we've gone through this whole entire pandemic we've gone through this completely different wave of change however at this time right now it feels like you know we're finally getting seeing that light at the end of the tunnel that this moment won't last and it just comes out again at the perfect time to really um capture the emotion that we're feeling right now very similar like if you go back to listening to uh credence clearwater revival with their stuff it's the emotions that is behind their music. You kind of are transcended right back to the emotions that people were feeling back during the Vietnam war era. And when yeah. it comes to artists, like this is the perfect time to really capture the emotion of what we had gone through in 2020, 2021 with the coronavirus pandemic. And this song shows that kind of more that light at the end of the tunnel moment that we're getting close. That feels like we're getting close to right now. Yeah. Agreed. Let's hope. Yeah. Let's yeah, exactly. The message is 
certainly there. Let's hope that uh, it fits to what the future holds for us and that we're, we're moving on, getting out of this. Yeah, please. One thing I do want to mention about the song, too, is uh, Terry with your vocals as well, because we are talking about kind of like with it building up in the chorus, just kind of dropping off a little bit. I thought your vocals also really helped that out as well, because in the overall, like at the beginning of the verse, like they kind of had a little bit of a softer tone, lower pitch, but then they were starting to build consistently as the verses went on. And I like the idea behind it with the building energy, especially the melodic pacing, it created more of that classic tone. It's the song. I'm looking at my notes right now because I don't want to mess this up. That's why my head's turned. And sure. it's kind of like a building moment that Trank will feel that the bad times will pass. And it kind of reminded me of like listening to different songs by George Michael in a way, just kind of like with the way the vocals had built up at that point. I was kind of like thinking like, okay, what does this kind of remind me of like listening to like some things with the verse they did with Careless Whisper were kind of just like starting to build up and then get to the chorus and it kind of drops out a little bit. Like this kind of reminded yeah. me of that sort of progression within that. That's a good reference too. Actually. He's a great, he's one of the greatest uh, vocalists I think ever lived, George Michael. Just, you know talented beyond words that man um but yeah in fact it's funny you should mention that because that's the the subtlety in the verse i was never really comfortable with it i was never really and i know pete's heard me say this like eighty-five thousand times <laughs> I was like, oh i'm gonna do the vocals again i'll do this again he's like no they're fine that they're verse is so good I'll do that verse again but to be honest when i when i heard it back again i think with a fresh set of ears and and after we'd mixed it a little bit or pete had mixed it a little bit i think uh I like the idea of, of not tampering with the honesty of it. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot, if there's musicians out there that hear this, I'm sure they'll understand the sentiment, which is you'd be very careful fucking with the first take. Because sometimes the first take is just, it's it. There's a, an honesty, there's a thing, there's a, there's a natural energy to it right? or, or an atmosphere that if you try and repeat it 50 times, really what you're doing is you're just trampling on what you're, what you're going for. You're, you're, you're crushing it. So, I uh, a part of me is like, well, I probably maybe I'd do it differently, but I'm like, but would I want to? You know, should I? Is the question. So I like that I've kind of left it as a little anomaly, and um, you know, I love it right now. Maybe it'll bug the piss out of me in about ten years, but um, I love it right now. So and if you love it right now, and it, again, if it sh- basically kind of like what you said, especially with you know, you don't want to fuck with the first take because you go in there and when you're ready to sing it for the first time this and try and record it, what's going to happen is, is all the emotions that you had tied in the lyrics that you had tied into the song and all the different thoughts, that's just going to come out naturally from your first take because that's what's in your head. But then yeah. after that first take, then you might be starting to think, okay, what if I did it this way? And then you're starting to kind of just mess with, you're, start, you're starting to make more of these artificial ideas instead of letting the emotions and the um, mental responses from your brain just really just let it out like you did in the first take. The, the big, uh, and I'd be surprised if, if Pete would disagree me, with me on this one, but I think the, the big thing that, that people want when they listen to music is authenticity. You know, it's, uh, it's, some people are really good at making it sound authentic when it's not, if you know what I mean, which is that first take's great. Well, maybe you're good enough that you can just make it sound like the first take 50 times in a row. Sometimes I can, sometimes I can't personally, um, I think. But the authenticity usually comes through in such a way that it makes itself obvious and you know messing with that sometimes is, is a bad choice sometimes you know you don't want to you don't want to tamper with it when you can hear that it's already <clears throat> oh I, I would have to agree with that as well because i've had other uh, guys in the podcast where we've, we've talked about this when it comes to looking at music and guys that are more on the producer side as well like you are pete where it's like 
we're talking about different vocals and it's there's a certain there needs to be like a certain believability behind a certain authenticity behind it because if you're singing about something that's more personal that has more tight personal tie-ins to your emotions maybe in your mental state whatever it might be if you're not going to be necessarily as like super authentic on it or 100 authentic on it then the audience is going to end up picking up on that and kind of questioning well do you kind of really mean what you're saying there because there are times when I've looked at music, I'm like, I'm not necessarily sure if I can necessarily like believe the authenticity behind the message of the song based on the vocals. Because it just sounds like maybe they were rather polished over to kind of take some of that out, kind of tam- like a little bit of tampered with in a way. But then there are times where you just listen to me like, oh, no, this is this is just straight up. They didn't mess with this. They really captured the overall emotion and the believability behind the vocals on something like a uh, track like this. And what you guys do with Moments Won't Last, again, I think you guys definitely hit the nail on the head with that in terms of the vocals because the vocals did really have this whole entire believability feel to them. Awesome. And that's my whole rundown of that. And because, like I said, um, because I like when I really kind of like put these tracks all together and like really kind of just get my mind to them. I always put an overall at the back end of it. And the first thing I said, kind of like with that uh, While She Sleeps comparison with their Division Street song on their new album and how it doesn't necessarily, it's a good song, but it just wouldn't fit on that album. And then all of a sudden you guys did this, you guys took the different route on this one and releases as a one-off single. Definitely shows again that that putting into practice was the right way to go because now I got to read off of my notes because I don't want to mess up because the more acoustic sound and the focus on the strings, especially the violin and the chorus, really give us more of this tranquil feel to know that the issues that we're having won't last but also serves as a reminder to enjoy the good times because those ones won't last either. Terry's vocals build rather well in the verse to provide us with the energy to get to that blissful moment of realization that the bad times won't last and we should enjoy the good times before they're gone as a more neutral tone in the chorus perfectly works with and is mixed with the violins on the song. Again, not what I was expecting, but again, puts that one theory I had into practice and just shows that it was the right move. Yeah, I gotta say I'm a big fan Pete's solo in this one as well. Pete's, uh, you know, I'm a sucker for a great guitar solo, and I think I love when <clears throat> Pete, when you kick back in on it, it's like I think you took you took part of it out in one of the mixes, and I I phoned Pete straight up, and I was like, "What the hell, man? Put the put this, put this more guitar back in." He's like, "What?" I was like, "You took it out." <laughs> so, yeah, more guitar, man. Damn it. Yeah, it's it, it's more fun. Guitar. We've 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 did this a long this 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 track feels like, you know. It, it was at a point before our last album or just just before our last album so it's kind of exciting that we're finally gonna you know it feels like we've had this one in the bag a while so i'm glad it let it get out of the cage and again let it get out of the cage at the exact moment that we kind of need it in the world to show that these bad times that we're having right now they're not gonna last and we can kind of start to see the light at the end of the tunnel right now i mean people are being vaccinated we're seeing like, even though we had talked about the whole entire thing with the problems of uh, potential live shows going forward once they're able to get the go-ahead, but we're starting to see people that are in bands that are uh, working on getting live shows going. So we're seeing that hope. We're seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. We're finally starting to see that moment of, you know, this is going to come to an end. And this song just inspires that hope that this will come to an end at some point. We're not going to be living in this pandemic forever. I should just clarify that with the amount of acoustic guitar and strings on the track, it's more of a velvet box than a cage and, and it's not locked. Song can come out anytime it likes. It's, it's, we're not, we're not like forcing it in the cage. It, it can come. There's breathing holes and it's well fed. It's, it's, <laughs> Talking about this, like it's a, like an animal that you're taking home for the, for, for oh, the pet store for the first time. It, and anyone that listens to 
the song's not just for Christmas, the song's for life. So yeah. if you take that song home, if you take that song home with you, you just you love that song. You love it and you take care of it. It, it does definitely make sense to kind of instead of saying put it in a kind of have it let it get out of the cage like it's definitely has more especially that velvet box feel where you open it up and it seems like <clears> it's <throat> going to have a more special moment or special quality that's going to end up connecting with the listener at any given point because again we've all gone through these we all gone through times together where it feels like you know the bad times are going to keep going on but we've also all gone through times individually where you know, different bad things have happened in our lives, whether it's we lost a loved one, maybe we've dealt with depression beforehand, maybe we're just lost at some point and we just don't know what to do with our lives. I mean, there's many different instances where people feel like there's bad times coming to them, but we always know that, especially with a song like this, that there is some sort of light at the end of the tunnel, that there will be an end to those bad times at some point because they're not going to last forever. Could they get worse at some point in time? Yes, but will they stay bad? No, because again, time will end up taking care of that at some point. And this song just kind of provides that beacon of hope or that like lighthouse in the distance where I don't know where I'm going, but I know that's the way. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Music's essential for my mental sanity during this period. She's sleeping. No, oh, especially same here as well. Not only this period, but I mean, I've gone through multiple periods in life uh, where music has been like one of the central reasons why kind of being able to stay positive and not let those bad times take over so much to the point where I end up losing myself in the process because that has almost happened before. And one of the biggest things that helped me with that was music. And honestly, live music was probably the catalyst that started it all because Whenever I like, if I'm feeling like horrible, bad, and I'm just like, I just need to kind of like get back to my centered self, going to see a live show and just kind of letting loose. It is, it is the best healer of all time. Oh, for sure. For playing music is exactly the same, you know? Um, I may have just decided as well to start a Velvet Underground Candlebox cover band with Pete's permission called The Velvet Box. <laughs> um, I- and then I think this is a great idea. Pete, if you're into it, I can dress up like Lou Reed and play. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm in. Bring it, bring it on. <laughs> whatever it whatever it takes. Let's just go. Yeah, we're just dude, man, we're changing the world just sitting here. I love this. Can't be stopped. Oh can't, hell no. I know I I kinda want to see this happen all of a sudden to see the velvet box. Like, okay, what's going on? Oh, I know what this is. Walk in all of a sudden we're gonna see <laughs> we're gonna see a velvet underground mixed with candle box. Must be like Okay, there's Terry up there looking like Lou Reed, and then there's Pete up there yeah. looking like Pete. Like Pete. <laughs> I gotta say, he will definitely have a little less work to do in terms of the aesthetic, because he's already Pete. So you know, that's a... he just might you say he just might need to put on like a velvet suit just to really <clears throat> like create the full ensemble. Oh, yeah, just hammer the shit out of the point, just absolutely nail it to the cross. Absolutely. <laughs> just <laughs> Any kind of material that's out there, it's got to be velvet. Just we're really yep. kind of putting this out. And all of a sudden, you get some weird thing where all of a sudden you come out like in a, I mean, this would be some kind of crazy thing. All of a sudden it's like, okay, we're wheeling out. <laughs> Terry, what's he coming out in to the stage? In a giant velvet box. Crushed velvet box, <laughs> yes. yes. Crushed velvet See, box coming out looking like Lou Reed wearing another Dreams velvet suit. True. Dreams do come true. Say so now I kind of want to see this happen just because this just sounds like a fun time. Well, it would be a lot more interesting than than staying at home during a pandemic. I'll tell you that. So, 
Now, and also, why do I feel like, especially as, but, but in between now and when concerts are able to return that, Terry, you're going to end up going out in New Orleans and potentially trying to do something like this by yourself just to see if it would be viable and have fun with it. Well, I might not even use other musicians. I might just, it might just be performance art where I just tell people that that happens. And, it's and Terry in a box. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right? here. <laughs> right? I'm in the box. You get it? <laughs> you just get, you just got to make sure. Pearls at swine. <laughs> You just gotta make sure you're like you got you got the box set up, like maybe on like a street corner or something else, and be like, "What the heck is going on here?" Then you got some like backing music behind you, start singing. All of a sudden, it's like, "What's going on?" This is the Velvet Box. This is it? What kind, what kind of music you're, are you playing? This Velvet is, Underground and Candle Box. Is what's going on? This, this is it. Yeah, this is actually yeah. This is this sounds like something I might want to do this weekend. We'll see. <laughs> if you do, please, please, please. Uh, send me a picture of it because I want to see what you come All up right. with. All right, I'll see. I'll see how it, you know. I'll see how it unfolds this weekend. <laughs> yes, I, I, honestly, if you if you do that, because one of my best friend, he's he's all into that kind of stuff as well. I would show him that picture. He'd probably just get to this point where he's also a insanely jealous that someone came up with that, but then b also trying to figure out how he can make it and do it his own. Because I've seen him do some crazy stuff as like a, a street performer. He'd probably do the whole entire thing, but also on a unicycle at the same time as well. Might be able. To, it might be able to do it, but I, I have, I've got to catch laundry and I hate folding socks. So you know, there's like a fifty-fifty shot on this one. <laughs> so, well, to that I'll just say, God damn it, socks! I mean, come on, preventing this greatness from of street art, performance art, from happening. You know, it's my least favorite thing on earth. I think I'd rather. Folding I think socks. I'd, yeah, I th- just folding laundry. I think I'd rather shoot myself in the face with with dumb dumb bullets than uh, than uh, than than to fold laundry. I don't know why. I just can't. What about it. eating chocolate? I I'm, I'm, I have a crack at that. All right with that. So what That's if okay. I put chocolate bars inside the socks? In the laundry? No. <laughs> kind of kind of evil genius shit is that? Oh, no, you have a special surprise sock. Oh my god! Now, my god, that would actually be awesome. Folding fold socks. All right, there, there's there's a ch- there's a chocolate bar in one of those socks. You got to yeah. find it though. You have to you fold all of them to find you, it. You know what? Actually. That's Pete. That's genius. That's how I'm going to get my kids to fold laundry. That is yeah. Just put high say, yeah, Hershey's kisses in there. There is there is a chocolate bar in one of these pieces. Yeah. We're, oh, we're going to kisses, Terry. It's not obviously in the last piece of clothing, but please <laughs> go on, go on. Yeah, <laughs> this is great. I mean, this this is worth it. You didn't hear that, did you? What? Nothing. Good. <laughs> <laughs> That is definitely the way to go about. It. So I'm pretty sure you end up getting a bunch of like Hershey's kids. I'm like, alrighty, I'm prepared now. But then all of a sudden, like you're ready, you'll probably be ready to, uh, you know, make it happen. All of a sudden, where all my Hershey's kisses go? And then you'll realize that you ate them or else ate them. Uh, where <laughs> else would you be? Where's my chocolate in the laundry? Duh. <laughs> Duh. I, I the only the only problem would be is like okay, what happens if they just like okay, they start like dumping out the socks? Be like, okay, where is it? Where is it? Yeah. Or they forgot and put the sock mm. and it falls behind the couch next to the heater and oh, they find yeah, it later yeah, on yeah. and it's melted Ooh. all over the place. Yeah, I was so positive about this idea. No more of the Hershey's Kisses after that. I was today years old when I found out that it was okay to put chocolate in laundry and now you're telling me there's a dance. <laughs> this is a lot to take in at a very short space of time. So, sorry about that, Terry. I mean, we're just trying to make sure that this plan will be effective to the point where your kids will finally fulfill the laundry duties. 
Hey, Liam, can I borrow some socks and some chocolate? <laughs> Just the voice comes out of my son's room. No. <laughs> No, no questions, no questions, nothing, just no. All of a sudden after this, you're just going to walk in and be like, that wasn't a question, I was being polite. Yeah, like, no, what are you talking about, Dad? Perfect. No. <laughs> oh, my God, okay, now, I'm gonna, if, now if I, whenever I have kids, if that ever happens, I'm probably going to end up having to do something like that. So it's like, okay, how do I get these kids to do stuff? Bribe them with chocolate, bribe them with candy, somehow. Yeah, Find they, get, a way. They, get, they, learn, they learn that one. They, they get over that one pretty quick, but it's, it'll, it'll get you through a couple of things, like, you know, definitely. Sure, I'm going to have to get more, I'll say I'm going to have to get more uh, extravagant with it at that point, but then again, <clears throat> that's probably not for a while, if honestly ever at this point, so who knows, but never you hurts gotta, start thinking get, about you it. You've got to get this pandemic over so you can, <laughs> you can meet a nice young lady and, or, or gentleman and, and do your thing. I'd like to meet a nice young lady at this point, but right now, honestly, that hadn't been going too well. So I'm just focused on working on stuff and just making Hell everything yeah. better for myself. Hell yeah, man. That's the way to go about it. And also one last thing is because, of course, with this new single coming out and um, with a bunch of other stuff going on in your guys' lives right now, what is kind of the plan for the immediate future in terms of the release of this single and... Like the next couple months, what can we expect from you guys? Maybe any more new music, or maybe a couple, of, maybe a concert announcement. Maybe I don't know. I mean, even though we talk about it, no, no. So well, I gotta ask. Pete and I like to. I mean, considering that we did our first album in what 2011, Pete. Yeah. Then we released our next album in 2015 or 16. Mm. This is and we're putting out new music in 2021. There's a distinct possibility that we could do one of two things. That's either immediately rush out and, and do a whole bunch of new music or make you wait five years for more. Yeah. <laughs> it's there really are a few other songs that need to be finalized that we have for the future, but um, they need some some work on them still. That's true. We've got kind of a, a whole collection of stuff from our, our around the time of our first album where we were kind of evolving out of that. And again, some stuff fell through the cracks. So while while we're we're talking about writing brand new music there's also another release to happen as well well we've also got a live album to release as well live at the columbia theater in seattle Ooh, nice which, yeah so we, we we recorded that a couple of years back um it's awesome it's it's really good so i'm excited for that to come out as well at some point and we'll make sure people get to know about it as well because again especially the time we've gone through right now the time that we've gone through the past year music is one of those things that no matter what's going in your on your life, bad, good, whatever it might be, music is always there for you to help you out. And you guys, especially with this latest song, again, name Moment Won't Last, definitely hit the nail on the head with that one. Thank you, mate. Much appreciated. Yeah. So as we come to a conclusion on this podcast, one thing I like to do to end it is Give both of you guys an opportunity to say anything you want to say, plug anything you want to plug, whatever it might be at the end of this podcast. So Terry, Pete, floor is yours. Take it away, uh, Pete. Um, as far as plugging anything, um, I have a studio called City Session Sound in Gulfport, Florida. Always looking for new artists to record in the studio or send me your files to mix. Uh uh, that's that's what I'm plugging now. Um, as far as the band, as soon as we can, we're probably going to schedule some shows and, and get out there. Actually, yeah, I, pro I 
probably should have said that as well. We're, uh, we're there might, we might even have some shows in Florida coming up in June. So nice. Keep your eyes peeled. We might actually be playing live a little sooner than than people might think. So. Listen, that is definitely the hope. And now it is time for me to end this podcast right with three final things. Here's the first one. So, yes, Lotus Crush has a new song called Moment Last. It will be out as of April 30th. If this, I think this podcast is going to come out after that time, so it will be available at the moment. And when it comes to listening to the, the song, when it comes to getting into Lotus Crush, I know you guys are thinking, is there a way that we can make this as easy as possible? And I'm going to tell you, make it as easy as possible for you guys, where you look at the description of the podcast, whether on YouTube, Spotify, podcast, or iHeartRadio, you're going to see find Lotus Crush online with their socials, YouTube, their website. If they got merch out there that I can find, I'm going to put it out there as well for you guys, where you can stream the music as well for Lotus Crush. Plus what Pete said with City Sessions on, I'm going to find some information on that, put it in the description as well. So people that are want to check that out can check that out as well. Make sure that it's a one-stop shop where Everyone can kind of just go there and take a look at it and just click on a couple of links and make it as easy as possible. I, I know convenience, guys. I got this. So I like it. I like it a lot. Thank you. Number two, and this is one thing that I like to do with guests that I enjoy having in the podcast. This pretty much happens every single time because I've enjoyed 100% of the guests I've had in the podcast. This is a promise that I'm making to both of you. This is not an if, not an if. This is a when I get to see you guys perform live for the first time. This is my promise to you guys. First round's on me. All right. <laughs> so okay. make sh- and if people always say I will hold you to it, and I'm like, yep, please hold me to it because it's a promise. I plan on I plan on uh, repaying all my debts. That's not <laughs> dirty, dirty job, but someone's got to do it. So. Someone's got to do it. So on that note, Peter and Terry, I cannot end this podcast in all good conscience with a goodbye due to the fact that. Hell, I just made a promise to see you guys live at some point. And again, yep. first round's on me. So I can't end this goodbye because that seems too final. So I'm going to end it with what I always end these podcasts with. See you later. Take care, man. Thank you. Whoa, 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 folks. That's my interview with Pete and Terry from the band Lotus Crush. Again, an incredible podcast where we went all deep into concerts returning and some of the things you might not necessarily know in terms of the struggles that might come up with them returning, such as, once again, we've got things that are going on with bands when it comes to money stuff, when it comes to venues, when it comes to management, when it comes to insurance companies and how insurance is going to work with all this stuff. Everything that you guys are questioning and are going to want to know about this stuff is in here. Plus, take a listen to Moment Won't Last. It is available now. Again, links in the description below for all of their stuff for you to check out when it comes to their socials, YouTube, website, where if I find merch, I will put it down there as well, where you can stream their music. And of course, when it comes to Pete as well with City Session Sound Recording, if you guys want to check that out as well, the link will be in the description below there. Plus, all our links right there, so you can give us a like, follow, subscribe, and all that good kind of stuff as well. Remember, the toll for this podcast is, please, just tell somebody about it. Tell a friend. Tell a family member. Put it in a Facebook group. Post about it on Twitter. Whatever it might be, that's the toll. But if you just want to listen anyway, and you're listening right now, I'll use my radio voice. I just want to thank you for listening. On that note, that's going to be it, guys. Thank you for watching and listening to the Code Progression Podcast with Timothy Rocks for Rock and Metal Thrive. My name is Kevin, and you guys know how I end every single one of the big, healthy, and hearty. See ya! Yeah!